When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Media, welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, a special emergency edition of the Rutgers Rant. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't we need like a forty-eight hour public notice? In yeah, I submitted it. Yeah, there's actually six guys here uh, waiting <laughs> to talk in my kitchen. We got two Rutgers professors. Charlie's here. Um, <laughs> well, it's fitting that we're doing this via teleconference, right? Yeah, I told them they had two minutes, and if not, my dog was going to attack them. That seems fair, right? That, that's that's how isn't that how it works. Fair. Perfectly fair. The security guards would drag them out of my house and uh, and kick them onto the front porch. Uh, what a day yesterday, guys. I mean, uh, you know, we certainly wrote about 153 stories on it. But, uh, you know, just waiting for this press conference to happen over the last two months, uh, it was, I have to say, everything I expected and more. Uh, it was the performance I knew Greg Shannon was going to give, the rallying cry to New Jersey, uh, you know, the Olive Branch, the Pat Hobbs, the governor. I mean, there's a lot of things that do unfold uh, over that couple hours. You know, I Sarge, I think you probably expected what you saw too. Cratch, I'm, I'm just basing your reaction though. I think that it was maybe more than you thought you were going to get. I mean, what is that an accurate assessment based on what the look on your face when Greg got done with that thing yesterday? Yes, I um. The only press conference I think I've ever been to in, in terms of like not like a shocking news story or anything that was that was in my mind as remarkable was and you were there, Steve, Tom Coughlin's, you know, defiant farewell yeah, press conference yeah. when he left the Giants. Um and I think when Greg broke into his monologue, you know, his his message to New Jersey, uh that was right up there when he, when Tom, you know, said goodbye to a sobbing Eli Manning. Yes. You know, that that was like, that was a moment. Um, as I tweeted, the, Rutgers, look, I, I say this, I don't, I don't think, I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten, they're going to win a national title. They're a real college football program now with a real head football coach who in 20 minutes did more to sell Rutgers and New Jersey and have vision than Chris Ash ever did in four years. <laughs> so true. I mean, no, seriously, like, here's the thing. Like, someone once told me about Chris. Nothing was ever good enough for Chris. He never complimented what Rutgers has done. Here's Greg Complo. Look how beautiful College Ave is. I mean, oh, I know. You, you never got that, you know? And and the biggest thing is we went from a guy who wouldn't even, like, he did everything he could to to not set a standard that involved wins and losses to a guy who's talking about a national championship. 
Right. Yeah. And that's really it, Chris. You nailed it because it was such a, there were so many opportunities that it could have been negative on the process. It was, he was asked about Chris Christie. And I think we were like, oh, here we go. This is the moment. He gave an olive branch. The man gave an olive branch to Chris Christie. I mean, you could have you gotten more support if you said, you know what? The hell with that guy. I mean, it would have roared. But no, even if, well, that wasn't even something he was willing to do. He was like, yeah, no, it's, it's real Chris. And Chris and I are okay. You know, I mean, yeah, come on. Come on, Greg. The guy questioning your – wrongly questioning your, your, your contractual demand for a private jet. I mean, it was just kind of amazing how he kept it positive. Uh, the Hobbs thing, I too, Sarge, I mean, that was that was pretty telling the way they walked into the room. You know, I, I know a lot of it is a show, and there's got to be some still hard feeling behind the scenes. But it was a good show. I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to and kind of what we uh, reported uh, before the fact is they're going to try to make it work. And this is a, you know, it, it, it starts with the Board of Governors and it starts and it continues with uh, Robert Barchi, the president, who does not uh, want to fire Pat Hobbs. That's evident by a statement this week when the faculty council uh, uh, called for they passed a resolution to call for, for Pat Hobbs to do uh, be fired and Barchi is, is standing by him. They are tr- clearly going to try to make this work. And how do you make this work? The only way to do it is if Greg Ciano and, and Pat Hobbs are publicly standing quote, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, that's the only way it's going to uh, work. And you nailed it. I mean, the, 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 that one moment in the press conference where there was a pause and you didn't know where he was going to go. You didn't know exactly what he was going to say. Um, you know, it was it was a moment, um, and you know, they're going forward. You know, time will tell whether or not it will work. I think, uh, you know, Pat Hobbs, you know, is going to try to to uh, do what he does best, and that's fundraise. And yeah. you know, Greg Giano is going to uh, try to do what he do- does best and bring in players. And and you know, and, and you know, by the same token, you know, we've already heard some of the stories of uh, people wanting to give huge seven figure gifts to, 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 to Greg and you know, we'll see you know, what, it, what it all adds up to. You know, that's a fascinating point. And Crouch, you wrote about this morning, the vision for, for what the facilities are going to be. And again, you talk about that for a second, but as I'm writing the column, actually, it just struck me that the, the, the thing that would really hammer it home is if they've got that $75 million that they need to start this thing before the Mammoth game next year. And I know when you say something like that around Rutgers, you're like, oh my God, it would, you know, it would take like, it'll take like a decade and a half to do that. It really shouldn't. You know, I mean, it's like if you get a couple of big donors, if there's a $20 million donation out there floating around, I mean, you, you've got some people who can throw money behind this thing. That to me would be the message that says, okay, these two can work together. Uh, so uh, James, when you, you, I heard you asking the question to Pat Hobbs about what he wants that to be. What is the process now for the facilities? Yeah, so basically they are going to, you know, Pat said they are already in the process or about to start the process of interviewing architectural firms, kind of who wants to compete for the bid. Pat said he expects to award the bid for the master planning um, no later than, you know, beginning of 2020. Right. The, the one thing that's in the contract, fans may have noticed, is that Rutgers is committed to getting a cost projection and renderings immediately, you know, so conceptual designs. So then that would allow Pat and Greg to take those renderings out to recruit off of for Greg and for both of them to fundraise off of. And the minute they get raised privately half of the projected cost of whatever project they settle on, Rutgers has committed to, you know, basically 
get the wheels in motion with, with the finance committee and the facilities committee of the board of governors and figure out how they're going to pay off the rest and the debt structure and everything. So basically the minute Greg and Pat raise half the money, the shovels are going in the ground. Right. And you're right. If it gets done for the Monmouth game, I would think you could see them potentially, I don't know the, all the particulars, but they're a very aggressive construction schedule for the Rodkin Center as we speak. I don't see why they wouldn't have the same thing for football. And the other thing that the contract basically indicates, memorandum of, of agreement indicates that it'd be in a new football headquarters with an adjoining practice facility. Now I asked Pat, I said, is that a definite or are you still open to the idea of a field house and then a separate second, you know, football headquarters, which is, you know, as I wrote, like that was the plan. Rutgers always planned to replace the bubble with a field house. They just thought once everybody else was out of the Hale Center, they would spruce it up and be good enough. Greg said, no, I, I, the Hale Center doesn't work for me. So I think now going forward, it'll likely be one gigantic football Death Star facility. <laughs> but I think that it's also a possibility that depending on what the architects say, they could go to a situation where it's a team headquarters and a separate field house. Just to kind of piggyback off, of, and then Cratch, you, you you nailed it. Your reporting yeah. on this is, is is spot on, and you know you, you you've been at the forefront of it since the beginning. But we could be looking in five years at like a totally different landscape. Yeah. Um. You know, and and that includes the stadium because you know as you know as we know, there's some facility. Uh. You know, some some upgrades that they need to do inside there. Um. And you know, Graciano once told you, right, Steve, that you know his vision ultimately would be a second deck all the way around the entire stadium. Um, they're going to want to take the press box and turn that into uh, luxury suites for for you know on on the other side. Who knows where we get moved to? You know, Graciano's plan might might have us you know be moved to like uh, Danellen, like uh, yeah, yeah, Danellen or Brownbrook. Why is Danellen <laughs> the funny town I always pull out from Middlesex County? There's got to be another funny name town I can come. It's Danellen for some reason. Yeah. One I yeah. yeah. Keep in mind, I mean, the you know underneath the south end zone, you know, at some point they're going to uh, need to put. I, I I know there's a plan in place already that to to make those the uh, the, the the game day locker rooms. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things that they they have in the works. So you know, within the next five year, years, if we're still doing this podcast. Um, you know, we're going to be probably talking about a drastically different landscape of Rutgers football. If we're still doing this podcast in five years. I mean, years when? Let's be honest. When? When we're doing this podcast. Uh, that's, that, 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 that's, I've lost my place in the script here. Um, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of moments from this, this thing that I really enjoyed. Uh, I did ask you guys what, which, if there's anything that stuck out for you, but my favorite was Greg Schiano telling the story of sneaking into New Jersey just at this time when everyone in the state was trying to wondering what he was doing. And I talked to his wife about this and, and I guess she gave him his Amherst baseball cap that, and mate, you got to put this on, but that wasn't that then says to him, but look, you can't smile because if you smile, people will see your teeth and they'll know it's you. So here he is sulking through Newark airport with this hat on trying to get to the rental car and then driving around, driving around uh, New Brunswick and, and just seeing everything as, as we just talked about. And as Todrick uh, Hunt just wrote a great uh, story on this morning. What I found out at the end of this, and this is great, Rutgers fans are going to love this. So what does he do? He drops off his wife at this party. Uh, they all go out and they have, you know, it's, it's, I guess they're a bunch of friends for his wife uh, that she wanted to meet up with for, for something. And so he had the rest of the night to himself. 
And so he calls Eric Legrand and he's just chatting with Eric. And in the course of this conversation, he says to Eric, Hey, what's your address again anyway? And so Eric gives him the address thinking he's going to send him something. But instead, Shiano drives to Eric Legrand's house and just rings the doorbell completely unexpected and goes in there and sits on the couch. So now why is this relevant? It's relevant, of course, because that's just him. And that's, you know, perfect, perfect Greg Shiano thing. But also, you know, when this thing fell apart, who was the who was the person saying you can't tell me that this man does not want the job? It was Eric Legrand, you yeah. know, in the most forceful way, right? I mean, he was the guy I think he changed. You said last week, Cratch, he was the guy who changed this for for a lot of people because when he wrote that column that was on the front page of the paper, I mean, how do you how do you lose Eric Legrand? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, it was just to me, it was just a, just an amazing thing that. Uh, you know, to hear him telling this story and then to hear what he did when it was over. It's just kind of fun. Do you, you guys have, sorry, do you have something in the press conference that stuck out to you that, that jumped out that, you know, <laughs> probably the, um, probably the, the chop. And when he, when he stepped away from the podium and is simulating yeah. the chop. and you remember Steve, like the, the day after the, uh, the Louisville game and we, we had spent all that season, you know, writing about it and like hearing, uh, hearing about, uh, you know, the chop and getting tired of it. And it's week nine, week 10. And, you know, and he explained like the origin. That was the first time he actually explained it. So now we flash forward 13 years and, you know, it's back. And right. he's explaining it to a whole new legion of Rutgers fans. And like he's really just, you know, getting into it, at, you know, during the press conference. That was probably the thing that kind of stands out to me, just in simulating cutting down a tree. Yeah, well, then, then they made then he made the tree the tree noise falling down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there was more action. There was more action in that two seconds than there was in Chris Ash's introductory press guy. I mean, right there, just doing that. Uh, Kratz, you have anything that stuck out to you that 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 that, that was funny? It, it's not. Uh, we weren't at the little meet and greet after they did not let the media in, right, but right. we talked to so many people who were in there. It, it just. I texted to our, our subscribers. You know, one person told me it was like Jesus Christ and Bruce Springsteen walked into the room. Uh, another person told me it was like the president of the United States was there, like doing, going through the receiving line at the State of the Union. You know, you, and you may have seen video like you've got the New Brunswick police, the record security guy, like Marco Battaglia is the body man, and he's working his way down the line, and people just want to touch him. <laughs> to me. They just want to reach out, you know, and touch him. And, you know, one guy told me that, like, all these uh, old timers, you know, are coming up and Greg remembers their names and asks them how their kids are. And it it was just, I, that's why I think they're going to get the money for the facilities by Monmouth, because there were so many people in that room. I heard, you know, the club was as packed as it's ever been. that just walked out of there on cloud 97 and they're just ready to open up their wallets and their checkbooks. That's incredible. I had a couple of them. I'll, I'll even name drop them. Uh, Tom Moran and Jim Kern, just the longtime fans, and walking yeah. out to the press conference, and literally just jump out of the just jump out of their car to talk to me about what had happened. And you could see it. You could see it on their faces. And and Tom says to me like that he like you know he's been a Rutgers guy. He's a CEO. He's an influential dude. And he just decided that he was gonna he was gonna die on this hill for Greg Schiano. And the way he said it was just like yeah, I believe I believed him. He'd send me the letter he sent to the Barchi. He sent me the, you know, the, just how, how f- f- furious he was when it was falling apart. 
And th these are the people who matter, Sarge, right? I mean, this is why this is why this whole thing made so much sense. He was the only person who this doesn't happen with Butch Jones. I mean, it's blatantly obvious that he's the only person that brings all these people together because they know him and they have these relationships and they saw what he did the first time and they believe in him, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. the whole power of this thing. Well, you mentioned Jim Curran, uh, uh, Curran, uh, um, and he was actually one of the people, one of the three uh, people who was quoted in that article um, the day after, or it might have actually been the same day that the uh, negotiation right, was apart. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, Doug Dolan, you know, who's a chief fundraiser for, for a long time, and, and Pete Hendricks, who, who's an influential attorney and like just a diehard Rutgers fan. Um, and Ryan Hart, I think, was was quoted in that story as well. But that story moved the needle more than than than, than a lot, of, in, in my opinion. Yep. Because it actually gave a lot of people the courage to you know the, to, to to speak and send letters. And then you know our I know our emails were were, were you know inundated with, with 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 letters that were you know we, we were cc'd on stuff that was sent directly to Pat Hobbs and the board and and uh and 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 President Barchi. So you know the, that that story right there kind of moved the needle, but. You know, we, we you're you're right. I mean, the 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 amount of passion. You know, we talked about it last week, but you know, it is going to be the story that will if this does work, that is going to be told. You know, twenty years from now, that the fans made it happen. All right, now let's dive into to the nitty gritty here. Uh, the coaching staff, and that was a funny moment after the press conference when we, I think it was you, Crouch, asking him about it. It's like, well, right now it's just me and nuns. So <laughs> the only two coaches currently on the staff, him and Nunzio, it's obviously going to change. You know, what's your sense uh, in reporting this now as to how quickly we're going to get some names here? How I mean, he's got to fill it. I know he's not going to get it all filled by by the you know signing day. It's only yeah. eight days away. But what's going to happen now? Well, there's a, one other guy. Um, I talked to some people who said Colby Smith, the running backs coach. He's still with the program. He hasn't been formally retained. Okay. It seems like nothing's guaranteed for him more than like being here for the transition. Why him? But it's right. anybody, why him? Just curious. I, mean, I think he recruits Florida well. He recruits Florida well. The players really respect okay. him and, and like him, I think. And, and he think, also uh, played in that Louisville game in, 20, in, in yeah. 2006. I think, you know, this, Greg <laughs> heard good things about him. So I, I think it's a situation where if he really kills it, you know, maybe there's a spot for him on staff, depending on who Greg can get. If there's not a spot, I mean, I think at the very least he's a young coach who goes out there and into the job market with with Greg's you know reference and, and blessing. So he's still there. I mean, for, for right now, it's the it's the young you know the sports staff guys. Rick Mance, my understanding is is still around, is still here. I expect him to be here going forward. I would assume, yeah. but I think he's a guy who now is able to go on the root road and recruit um, a little bit. You know, I think. It remains to be seen. You know, Greg wasn't a hundred percent kind of tipping his hand as to how much he's going to focus on recruiting high schoolers, opposed to transfer portal guys early on. Um, I don't expect. You know, the, with the early signing period, most coaches now stick with their programs, get through the early signing period. Then some coaches change jobs, and then some guys stick all the way through the traditional signing period in February. So I don't think Greg is going to have a, a whole intact full coaching staff until February after the second signing period. But I would expect he probably gets some guys in um, after the first signing day, you know, which is December 18th, so coming right up, uh, and maybe some guys before then. But I would think it's going to take a little while for him to get the full staff in place. That was interesting. You had asked him. It was the one we thought, I thought we were going to get to the press conference with, without asking the question about the offense. And it was the, you're, the, you got the mic at the end and asked him about the last question. He wouldn't answer it. 
really, but he did kind of get hint that it's going to be he's going to try to spread the field and, and use use a lot of the stuff that makes sense for for there's a different philosophy than maybe his first time around. Sorry, what do you think? I mean, what 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 would you take away as a, who would be a good fit for for that? And have you heard any any other names that might uh, that might pop given given what you know? Yeah, I do think that Nunzio will be allowed to uh, stay on the staff if he, you know if he if he wants to. Um, you, you, that was evident by 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 the uh, the praise that the, uh, Greg Ciano, uh had for him. Um, I do not think that he'll be the offensive coordinator. I do think that uh, we've heard some names, uh, whether it was uh, Gleason, you know, former uh, Sean Gleason, who was who was formerly at, at Princeton, now he's at Oklahoma State. I think he you know could be involved. Um, you know, I think you know, ultimately it's going to like you mentioned the, the New England Patriots um, system. Um, you know, in which you know one week you know they 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 run the ball you know fifty two times, only throw it you know fourteen times, um, and then the next week you know it's the opposite. So he he wants to go week to week you know and have people guessing. Uh, who knows? You know, if you mention the New England Patriots, maybe there's someone from from that uh, Belichick coaching tree that we 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 we, we, we don't know. So uh, maybe that that was a little bit of a hint. Yeah, he, he does right. We forget about that. We don't, you know, he's got a whole another set of relationships over the last eight, eight, nine years that, you know, the people from Ohio State, people from the pros. Yeah, it could, there could be a lot of different direction he goes. Um, he, I will oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Crutch. Is that I was told by someone who has knowledge, he had a very, very positive conversation with Art Sikowski um, before Art decided to pull his name out of the transfer portal. And I know, you know, I think it's going to be a spread. But from what I understand, a guy like Art and his skill set is going to fit in what Greg wants to do. Okay. It was not just like a, hey, you know, thanks for staying around thing. It seems that Greg was, you know, positive with Art about how he's going to fit in what Greg wants to do. So I do think that it's going to be a scheme that sort of a, a drop back passer like Art can operate. I will say I hope there is. A movement to find a to find a more mobile quarterback. I really, I mean, and I think that's that's been the one of the few things over the last, you know, what six games with Johnny Langan. It just there there is when you see someone who can run the ball. It'd be nice if you had someone who could also throw the ball and spread the field. Obviously, but you know, I I have to figure I have to figure that's going to be a priority finding that quarterback. But he's got to find everything. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like we as, as you know, as giddy as you know this this day was when you look at the roster, it's it's still. I mean, so we've got so many good. We'll dive into the Rutgers Insider questions in a minute, but one of them's like, you know, I shudder to think of what this offensive line is going to look like next year. I mean, there's a lot of things that he's got to solve. You know, is it your sense, Crash, that this is going to be a heavy transfer portal portal deal, or you know, just in the short term, is that is that where he's going to make this fix, or are there fixes out there, junior college or just through the freshman class? I think it's probably going to be pretty transfer portal heavy, yeah. um, but. The feeling is like there's not a lot of, you know, the supply of offensive linemen in the portal or junior college plug and play guys is not meeting the demand. Right. So I think it's, I mean, look, look last year, like not to keep hammering the prior regime, but they went into the offseason knowing that they, you know, they had to get an offensive lineman uh, that could plug and play. And they got a guy, junior college guy, who played like didn't play a meaningful snap the entire year. Yeah. So it's now I think Greg's going to do better than Chris Ash did, but it's not like Greg's going to get five blocks of granite to put up, you know, or four with to go with Mayetti. You know, I mean, he's got some pieces: Ra- Raquan O'Neal, Reggie Sutton, Mike Mayetti coming back. 
Um, Nick Crimmin, I believe, is coming back. You know, is coming back as well. So, but they need they need to get more guys in there. They need to get more competition. I just think that it you're, it's going to probably be rough at first because you just can't replace every spot in one offseason. Right. All right. And this is a good, the perfect uh, transition into uh, the Rutgers Insider questions, which has been great, guys. I really, you know, the subscriber base has gone up enormously because of this. I hope you'll stick with us because clearly there's a bunch of, a bunch of news yet to come in football. And then, you know, I'm going to be wrestling and wrestling and basketball and the whole thing, you know, it's going to be uh, all winter. It's going to be busy, but uh, NGA.com backslash text, as you know. Uh, all right. So on the transfer portal, and the question was compared to 20 years ago, uh, with the portal and the Big Ten do you, and Greg's sudden rock star image, do you think he's going to be a bigger destination for recruits? And this is sort of a fascinating thing because I was talking talking to someone about it, and I, I, I wonder, just with a little bit of caution here, if it's a lot of people my age and Sarge's age who yeah. remember what he did here and have a better idea of, you know, name recognition. High school coaches certainly – is that is that going to resonate with recruits? You think, Sarge, or are we looking at this from, uh, you know, a middle-aged set of eyes here that's not going to necessarily uh, translate with teenagers? I think it's going to resonate with high school coaches, um, and we're you know, and there there are some people who think that you know it's overstated that high school coaches have that much of an influence on where where a recruit goes. Todrick would probably know a little bit better, but I think it depends on the high school coach and you know, on the relationship that he has with the kid. I think the high school coaches will will all uh, you know, Graciano, you know, his time will will, will be remembered. As far it probably speaks to, I think Todrick uh, quoted a kid. I, I did see a text in which a kid. Uh, said that he didn't know a whole lot about Greg Schiano, but the one thing that you, you have to understand is, you know, I covered it back in 2000, um, December 2000 and, and early January of, of 2001, um, when he was first starting out that first recruiting class, he was unlike any time that we had ever saw to that point and any time since, he was able to g- get so many of those high school recruits that, that, you know, were, were, were some of the best in the, in, you know, to at least consider Rutgers, he, you know, by, by doing all these, you know, 200, uh, 200 or 300, um, you know, recruits coming out to the health center. Uh, you remember Ricky cook, I think you might've mentioned yeah. uh, him. You know, he was the state's best prospect at the time. Like it, it was like, uh, unlike anything that we've ever seen, I expect to, to see that once again, uh, he mentioned like toward the end of his tenure, like if you remember the recruiting class, that was, um, that that he left right before he going to Tampa. That had Darius Hamilton and Leonte Carew, and you know that might be the uh, best recruiting class in Rutgers history. So he's going to try to uh, you know continue that. He's obviously you know w- while he was at Ohio State, you have to also remember he was one year voted the uh, the, the the best recruiter in the country for uh, among assistant coaches, and I think the next year I think he was recruited you know, uh, ranked in the top five according to I think it was two forty seven Sports. So. This is the guy who knows how to recruit. This is the guy who's going to try to get players. It also, we should say, you know, we, we saw a video on, on on our vision that right after the press conference, I think he did a couple of radio interviews. I think he did something on BTN. But, you know, he was in a helicopter going out to recruit. So this is a guy who is, you know, is clearly this is going to be his priority from day one and, and going forward. In the helicopter. It's just, I just love it. Uh, where was he going? Do we have any idea? No. Off. I no. believe he may have been going to visit Evan Simon, the the one quarterback commitment. Oh, all right, in home, okay. yeah. And I, I think too is like yes, like everyone says. I know that was a 
one of the various, you know, kind of like shots people try to take at Chiano when they try to derail him or malign his candidacy. You know, just if I think it's a good thing for recruits in the trickle down effect that yes, he may may he might be older people who remember what he did here first, but if all those people are fired up and their butts are in the stadium and they're making noise and they're donating money. That helps recruit yeah. too. Very true. Very true. Is he good? This is another question from the, and I, this is, I know, better one for, for Todrick, but the name Jalen Berger, uh, Don Bosco, is he going to be able to get one of these kids to flip? I mean, I just can't imagine this late in the process, a guy who, you know, is, I guess, Wisconsin is tops on his list or uh, Penn State, Michigan. I see all, I see everybody. Um, you know, is that going to be anything that he, I know he recruited them at Ohio State, but can can he change a guy like that to set the narrative crack? You think, or or is that going to be a hard sell at this point? I mean, I don't think it's a it's a definite. I know when Greg got hired, some of the you know the the recruiting predictions people just flipped it to Rutgers automatically. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, but I think the good thing is with, with Berger is he's indicated throughout the process that he was thinking about kind of signing to a school. But keeping it quiet and then announcing his commitment at, I think, the All-American Bowl, which I think is in San Antonio, like January 4th, I believe. Yeah. So if he's planning to take his time or like not make his announcement until the new year, I think that helps Greg because that means Greg's got a month to work on the kid as opposed to two right, weeks. Right. <laughs> um, so if, if he stays on that kind of path and plan, I think that's a good thing. for. I think the longer this goes, the better – of a chance Greg has, but you know what? I mean, it would definitely be a splash, but at the same time, can, can you fault a Jersey running back from winding oh, Wisconsin, God. given what Jonathan Taylor, you know, Corey Clement and Ron Dane have done. I mean, he was that. out there for a visit. Like, Taylor had 30 carries, 250. Yeah. I mean, what? that's, that's tough too. That's tough to compete with, obviously. Uh, yeah. All right. Another question. Uh, here's, this is this interesting one. And I think, you know, would it be a huge statement to just jump, to just dump Raheem Blackshear. Uh, and I, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are, are angry about him taking the red, taking the, taking the red shirt, uh, kind of as a captain, you know, not abandoning the team, but making a decision for himself. Uh, Sarge, you think that Blackshear yeah. would be back? And would it be a statement to the fan base? I, mean, I, I it's tough to give up on talent like that. And you don't want to insult, uh, young people either. What do you think? It's a great question. And that the reason why you, you hit the nail on the head as far as having this insider services questions like that you you don't even think about and you start the you just remember like how Nunzio uh, in that yeah. press conference was right. so down on uh, Raheem Blackshear. What do we know? I mean, we're not speculating on on stuff. What do we know for a fact? We know that Greg Schiano has a, has an enormous amount of respect for Nunzio. He's keeping him on staff right now, and and you know Nunzio is, is clearly you know out there recruiting. You know, if he's leaning on him for counsel on advice, what the last two, you know, three months have been like inside the program, you know, I think, you know, what what those public statements are probably how Nuncio feels that you know Blackshear, you know, abandoned the team at that point. And um, look, running back, we do know at that position, you know, Isaiah Pacheco uh, is, is you know one of the more, uh, more talented guys on the roster. Uh, he showed it against Penn State. Um, they, they, you know, they have Aaron Young. Who you know who who shows the promise and you know I think that's a position where you know you, you probably get uh you know some talented players whether it's the transfer portal or or you know uh, recruits you know you mentioned Jalen Berger as well uh you could probably get uh you know more talented running backs than 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 any other position so um, it would be a statement 
um, again, I hate speculating on, on any anything. And Graciano did say that he's, he's talking to everybody when when Blackshear the Blackshear question did was presented, but he didn't mention Raheem uh, specifically. He just said We're, I'm talking to everybody right now. Um, it would be a statement, and um, I, I, I could see I, I could absolutely see that that would be one 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 way where Rutgers can go. Related? Are they are they, Kratz, are they in serious danger of losing anybody else? So far, there's been no indications. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Isaiah Pacheco told us right. at Penn State after the game he's not going. Tyshawn Fogg said he's not going. You know, I mean, here's the thing: like, it, 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 Rutgers fans don't want to hear it, but look at the roster. Write down a list of the guys you feel you cannot lose at all. Yeah, well, Avery Young. I mean, it's, it's not a terribly long list. Long yeah, list. No. You know, I, every indication are that Aaron and Avery Young are on board. Um, you know, Mike Turnoff's not going anywhere. We Holy know God. that. Yeah. You know, Ellen Loomer, I, I don't think is going. And, you know, Mike Maietti, you know, I mean, these are Jersey kids who probably are ecstatic to play for Greg Schiano. And then when you go beyond that, you know, there's, there's just not – there were not a lot of – oh, like there, there's just not a lot of guys on this roster that if they would enter the transfer portal, you would go, this is a devastating blow to Rutgers. Right. Um, all right, here's another good one that had not come up. Is Kenny Parker coming back, the strength coach? And I, 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 that, that's a good one because early in the – when Chris Ash was first hired, it was just made a big deal about Kenny Parker coming from Ohio State, bringing his – you know, the strength strategy, the whole – you know, this was going to be how they're going to they're going to build players and develop players, and it never happened. Obviously, it has a lot to do with the talent, but also, I mean, you know, it, it, as as Greg Shano pointed out, they developed some two-star players and 10 NFL prospects. So is he coming back? You guys know? We don't know. Um, you know, I, we, he's still listed on the. Uh, he's still listed yep. on the team yep. website as being the strength coach. I will say, obviously, it's December. Season just ended. You know, you're about to go on break. The off-season program's not going to start until they get back in January. So there's some time. I think you know. Obviously, the minute Greg got hired, even before then, people were saying, "Is Jay Butler coming back? Is Jay Butler coming back?" I talked to someone who said, you know, Jay's got a pretty good job at IMG, you know, doesn't know what, what, but I just think that my guess is they could go one of two ways. My instinct would be that, you know, the strength coach is so important to a head football coach that Greg is going to want his guy, whether it would be Jay Butler or someone else he's met. But the other hand, you know, I, I, and that's, it's comparing apples to oranges, but when Pat Shermer got hired by the Giants, he kept Ben McAdoo's entire strength and conditioning team because his thing was, well, you know, they're good at their jobs. They're well-regarded, well-respected. Why would I change anything? So I don't think it's a definite that they're going to do a change. I just would say my guess is that by the time semester, second semester starts, my guess is you might have a new strength coach in place. That could be one, one of those uh, areas where Greg's uh, you know, past experience, whether, whether – Patriots or to Ohio State or wherever he's been, you know, along the line on these coaching tours, that could be one of those uh, uh, places where someone we don't even know that Greg has been impressed with that he tries to hire. All right. All right. Uh, let's dive. This is a good. Let's dive into this because it's a good transition to the next segment about basketball. Uh, do you guys think Steve Peichel is still a year away due to such a young team and four sophomores starting? Uh, basketball team uh, dropped the last game, uh, that kind of a slug, ugly slugfest there to, at Pittsburgh. Tough place to win, but you know, certainly not a great Pittsburgh team. They're six and two. 
Uh, and that now comes the buzzsaw. I mean, you know, first they, they, they play at Michigan State, 11th ranked Michigan State national title contender, uh, come home a couple of days later, Wisconsin, always good. And then the Garden State Hardwood Classic, December 14th, uh, against Seton Hall. Uh, Kratz, from what you've seen, is it the conclusion already that we just think this team's a year away? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, they haven't been, I have not looked at them this year so far and said, okay, this team's going to the NIT. You know, they could still turn it around, but I just think this is probably going to be a year where five, I think Brian Fonseca, our intrepid colleague, said it best. In hindsight, if they, this team can go 500, that's a really good accomplishment for them. Yeah. As for a year away, I mean, you can say that, but here's the thing too, like, the recruiting is not, as I said, I think a couple of podcasts ago, you got to reserve all judgment until Cliff Amarui goes somewhere else because they've been kind of really all in on him. But the recruiting hasn't knocked your socks off, and I think it's going to be interesting. I think hiring Shiano definitely helps Peichel take a little bit of the pressure off. But Michigan State's going to be angry because they just got blown up by Duke. So I think there's a good chance they're going to run Rutgers out of, the, out of Breslin on Sunday. And then if you lose to Wisconsin at home, Wisconsin's kind of been up and down this year. I think that's when you're really going to start to have the fan base panic. Yeah, sorry, do you agree that it is it is it right to panic? I, mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I you know I understand that people are excited, but you have a lot of young pieces. You still don't really have a star on this team like you had in the yeah. past. You don't have a guy who can just shoot you out of a slump. I think that's what you're seeing a lot of times. You know, these guys jack random, different guys jacking up threes, and they don't go in. Well, this just that's what got, that's what's going to happen. I mean, what's your sense? Yeah, I, I do think that they do improve. You know, Steve Michael teams do improve as the season goes along. So I, I wouldn't write them off just yet. Uh, but I also agree with Cratch. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, go-to yeah. guys where, where, you know, this is the guy four minutes left in the game, you know, kind of like what Corey Sanders was a few years ago. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Montez Mathis uh, turns into that. Maybe uh, Geo Baker uh, he's hit some clutch shots in the past. Maybe he, he becomes the alpha dog, but they don't have those type, uh, that, that surefire guy. Um, and again, I think in, in interior, once again in the Big Ten play, um, you know, I think their, their, their front court, um, you know, weakness is probably going to be exposed a little bit. Uh, I will say, um, you know, conversely, you know, the rack is, you know, you know you're, you're looking at, I was looking at some of the, the schedule and, and the Wisconsin game, only 500 or something. Tickets yeah. remain. Seton Hall game is obviously going to be sold out. So maybe you know, as they as they start to get some home cooking, you know, in, in some of these bigger games, Iraq you know becomes more of a factor. I wouldn't write them off just yet, but um, I think Fonseca is right. I think Cratch is right. I think five hundred would be a, a big mean, accompli- yeah. accomplishment right now. And, Go ahead. I would just say to piggyback what Sarge said at the front court, Miles Johnson stayed out of foul trouble <laughs> and had a brilliant game at Pitt, and they still yeah. lost by eleven. <laughs> Like so, like they can't squander big time games from Miles Johnson. I think he's the, he's the key to this whole thing. If he's not in foul trouble and, and he's pulling down a double double and really giving you great minutes, you got to win this game. Stealing that game against Seton Hall, especially with Seton Hall's expectations this year, would would certainly change would change the narrative of the season. I think for for Pykel. now, you know that gives you some that gives you some wiggle room. It makes up for the St. Bonaventure loss. Now all of a sudden, people are thinking, all right, well maybe this team can can go somewhere. And then you then you've got going back to the schedule: Lafayette, Caldwell, Nebraska, Penn State, Illinois. I mean, it, it's a stretch where you can 
I mean, if the team starts starts to play well, you could you could you know you can go on a winning streak there, and all of a sudden, all right, maybe NIT is not impossible. But yeah, as to your point, Cratch, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but what I have watched, they're not passing the eye test so far. That's that's kind of what I come with come away with. Uh, all right, there's our basketball segment, so now people can get off our case about it. We're talking basketball, Dave. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're really, we really are like a, we should just call people up and just talk our podcast on the phone with our audience. Um, let's talk wrestling. Anything else? What, what do we got? Women's basketball crash. You, you're the anything else guy here when we start going into the, what, what, what? <laughs> Phil Murphy will be at the women's he basketball game on Thursday. Wow. He will be. Huh. Yes. yes women's basketball uh, playing well. Aurel Garantes was big 10 player of the week. The second time this year, um, they, you know, they're making moves. You know, I think they lost to Ellis. Their one loss was at LSU. You know, they, they won some, you know, Power Five games down in the Bahamas. So I think they're, you know, they still need a little bit more. I think to, in terms of to kind of really get on the full national radar, they're getting a couple of votes in the AP Top Twenty Five. Um, wrestling opens up at, against Maryland uh, Saturday night at the Rack. Should be a, a pretty good crowd. Maryland's not a terribly strong program, so Rutgers should kind of win the dual meet easily. You know, I'm going to be talking about an hour or so. It's got good Elliott update. I, I think Rutgers is going to be pretty healthy, have its full lineup there if, if they need those guys. If the dual meet is kind of a little bit closer than they expect, but, you know, they should get off on a good foot, you know, and, and then that's basically it for wrestling. I mean, they're done for the rest of the semester. And then the big focus becomes, I'm sure we'll discuss in our podcast to come, you know, Anthony Ashton, Nick Soriano going to go to the U.S. Open. And right, right around Christmas in Fort Worth, try to make that push to qualify for Olympic trials. And then the big question becomes, is Nick going to come back for the second semester? And that's still up there. You know, you mentioned Phil Murphy, and this would be this, this, something we forgot to talk about earlier, and then we'll sign off. But if you're making a list of, like, the five winners in this thing, you know, like coming down, you got to put Phil Murphy's name on this list. And I, I thought he he handled he, – he clearly, to everyone said behind the scenes, he had done – pulled some strings. He got involved where he might not have wanted to get involved or didn't know he had to get involved. He did get involved. He, you know, made the commitment clear and having him at the press conference too, to make that statement about New Jersey being behind, being behind the team. I don't know. I thought it added something to it. Now you're like, all right, you've got the coach, you got the money, you're going to have the facility. Now I got the governor, you know, it was, I mean, he came out, he's one of the winners in this thing. Sarge, you agree? Oh, totally agree. And uh, just, you know, our reporting indicates that, you know, the, the chair of the Board of Governors, who we hardly ever mentioned, um, Mark Engelson, is very close. And I think that might have been the uh, one of the connections that kind of got um, uh, Phil Murphy to be involved. We talked about this last week. Um, I, you know, I, I think Greg Ciano, going back to, uh, you know, early in his tenure, has always wanted uh, the New Jersey governor to be involved. And, and uh, you know, if you remember, Corzine traveled to, to Texas for, for, for the Texas Bowl in, in 2006. Uh, you know, uh, Governor Cody, State Senator uh, Cody, uh, was a free, free uh, traveler to all the bowl games. So, you know, Graciano does like that political uh, influence. He does like having the uh, the governor involved. Um, and, and he gave him a big shout-out during the yeah, press Greg, conference. Greg Brown. Jim from accounting. I know Greg Brown's a fan of the podcast. He doesn't really listen to this. I do not believe that. But when, when he sees Jim from accounting at the, he's going, hey, Greg, what happened to Rutgers? Jim is fired, by the way. He's not going to see Jim, Jim from, from accounting. accounting. He's he's fired. Fired. Say to Greg Brown, oh, good. You got your coach. Good job, Rutgers. You know, I mean, that's, 
this is this is good. He, he had a good day. He was smiling and shaking hands, and I think that you know, you know, he, he deserved to take a bow too. I mean, so we give him give, give him that. I mean, yeah, that he shifted quickly. Well, and the story, you know, and I'm glad that Graciano mentioned it. Like, you know, in 2005, we mentioned it last week on the podcast. You know, 2005, you know, the Insight Bowl, the first bowl game. That's when. Uh, Greg Brown was brought, you know, brought to the, uh, you know, brought into the tent, so to speak. Uh, he, uh, we, we've actually talked to Greg Brown on on a podcast a few years ago, where where he said the reason why he he, he is involved, and he gives money not just to athletics, but to, to to a lot of other causes, you know, throughout Rutgers. But the reason why he's involved was because of Greg Schiano. And now, uh, you know, 14 years later, you know, he's the one who who you know when you're when you're crediting people, whether it's Pat Hobbs or or the Board of Governors. But I mean, Greg Brown certainly is, you know, in, you know, you can count on one hand how many people uh, had uh, bigger influence and probably leave a couple fingers, uh, you know, take a couple fingers away. So he was that influential. Um, you know, good for him. All right. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's all I've got. You guys got anything else? Can we sign off? Sign off. We can all sign right. off. Thanks for listening. It's been a crazy uh, two months. I'm glad it's over. We're all going to go away. For a couple of days, leave us alone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Take it easy. (laughs) Bye-bye.